This week's episode of Inside Outside Innovation is sponsored by Glider. Glider is software that helps your product team put discovery at the center of your roadmapping process, helping you remove risk and drive value. Check it out at Glider, G-L-I-D-R dot I-O slash I-O podcast. Inside Outside Innovation is the podcast that brings you the best and the brightest in the world of startups and innovation. I'm your host, Brian Ardinger, founder of InsideOutside.io, a provider of research, events, and consulting services that help innovators and entrepreneurs build better products, launch new ideas, and compete in a world of change and disruption. Each week, we'll give you a front row seat to the latest thinking, tools, tactics, and trends in collaborative innovation. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. I'm your host, Brian Ardinger, and we are live recording today at the RISE Conference in Hong Kong. So my first guest is a person I'm very excited to meet because I've been a big fan of his product for a long time, uh, Cameron Adams. Cameron is the co-founder and chief product officer at Canva. Cameron, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be here, Brian. I am so excited to meet you because I've been talking about this rise of technology and the ability for pretty much anyone, anywhere to create new things. And you and your company have been uh, instrumental in creating a lot of that kind of new technology. So for uh, those who may not know a little bit about Canva, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about how Canva came to be and a little bit about your history and how you got involved in innovation and new technologies. Sure. So we started Canva about six years ago, um, and it was the coming together of three of us, uh, me, Melanie Perkins, and, and Cliff Obrecht. Uh, and their background was making school yearbooks. So they'd created an application that let schools in Australia create uh, yearbooks for, for all the schools around the country. And through that process, they'd kind of seen how empowering you know, the ability to put these creative tools in the hands of people was. And they wanted to scale that up somehow. Um, so Melanie always had this vision of, of taking design to the world and making it accessible to everyone, regardless of their education or their skills or their access to the tools. And yeah, they needed a way to, to build the platform. Um, and luckily I met them and I kind of brought the design and technology angles to their really huge vision and, and business savvy. And together we managed to, to create Canva and six years later, we've now got over 10 million users Earlier this year, we were valued at a billion dollars. Congrats, nice unicorn status there. <laughs> yes, it's been a wild ride. It's been a massive roller coaster, and it's always pleasing to see the people that are using it and the way that we're helping to, to bring goodness to the world and actually have an impact on individuals and companies all around the world. You talked about this kind of democratization of design and democratization of technologies and that. What are some of the kind of the trends or, that you're seeing, and, and why is this changing the landscape of innovation? I think at, at its core, design is really about communication, and it's about communicating ideas, communicating your message. And putting that in the hands of people who previously didn't have that sort of megaphone is extremely empowering. So we've seen people who have started their business at a market stall using Canva to do their packaging for their soaps and their perfumes. And we've seen people inside medium-sized companies you know, really bring together their marketing department and start being able to create an overall brand strategy and communication strategy. And then we've seen it inside large companies where, where one person has picked up Canva and that has spread all, all its way throughout the company. And it's really letting people take control of their brand, create amazing content, communicate their vision and their ideas, and yeah, really have an impact on the world. We, we focus very strongly on having a positive impact in communities around the world. And we've seen amazing things from nonprofits and charities who have also used Canva. We have a nonprofit program that, that lets nonprofits use it for free. 
I mean, it's something we're really bullish about because we want these organizations to be able to improve the world themselves and any way that we can help them is beholden on us to do it. So a lot of our listeners are corporate innovators and they're in big corporations and they don't necessarily always know how to play by the new rules of startups and they don't know all the tools and and techniques and that that are out there. If I'm a person within a corporate innovative group and want to reach out and become a little bit more startup oriented, what are some of the best ways that I could do that and using tools like Canva? Interesting question. I think you really have to treat it as a partnership and there's almost a case of killing the goose that laid the golden egg because there is a bit of a tension between a large company and a startup and figuring out the relationship between that two I think is, is going to be the tricky thing. For us, it was approaching a problem that, that many people didn't know existed or, or even realised you know, could be solved. And we heard the word no so many times when we were pitching and that it was that passion and drive and belief in the idea that kind of got us over the line. So how you, how you cultivate that inside a corporation, I think, would be to really trust the people that, that you're asking to do the innovation and let them explore that area to the nth degree and give them a bit of a remit to make mistakes and find the right solution. Yeah, I think the same things obviously applied in the startup world. And I think new corporate innovators are trying to understand that dynamic. And you have Obviously, it's a, it's a different environment in a corporate environment where they've got legacy systems and things along those lines. But I think tools like Canva and others that give the opportunity to experiment and play around and, and try new things kind of opens up this idea of, of innovation. So if I'm a new product team, whether I'm a startup or corporate, what are some of the things that I should be focused on? You as a chief product officer and that you've been creating product for most of your life. What are some of the key things that a new product team should really embrace and have on their team? I think you really need to intimately know the market that you're going after. The reason that a lot of startups are so successful is because the people that are founding it are very invested in that area and often it's solving a pain point that they have. And when it's something that you personally experience, you can draw on that experience to understand what the problem is and come up with a great solution for it. It's a lot harder when you're creating, creating a solution to a problem that's abstracted from yourself. If you're in that situation, you have to go out and do a lot of user research, interviews, really understand the people that you're building this product for. For us, Canva came from a lot of our experience from kind of different vectors. So Melanie had experienced the problem of trying to teach people professional design tools. We'd all experienced the hassle of creating something with tools that were confusing that we didn't quite understand. And for me personally, with my background as a graphic designer, I kind of understood the relationship between designers and clients and and how people get work generated as well. So we kind of drew from a lot of that and got in touch with a lot of clients and listened to the people using these products and and trying out the products that we were building. And we had a very intensive period before we launched where we were pushing out different iterations of the product, tweaking it, listening to the feedback from our customers and creating new features, changing the experience, changing the onboarding just to find exactly the right recipe that we needed for Canva to be a great and useful thing. Hey listeners, I wanted to pause this episode to bring you our sponsor spotlight. This week's sponsor is Glider, a software platform dedicated to helping you build better products. Rather than talking about Glider myself, I figured I'd invite Jonathan Wiley, Glider's VP of product, to come in and tell us a little bit more about what they're building and why it's so important in the marketplace. Yeah, so Glider 
helps teams build a shared understanding of customer needs, prioritize what to build based on real market signals and figure out the right way to go to market. So all of those things, whether you're you're building features or you're you're thinking about which partners to go to market, those are just assumptions in the early days. And so Glider really helps you outline those assumptions and then build and structured experiments and research to figure out which of those assumptions are true and which aren't, and then gather the evidence you need as you move forward. And so there's tools in Glider, things like the business model canvas that can also be customized into the lean canvas or whatever other canvas you want to use to help organize those assumptions and visualize them, Kanban boards and other things like that. And then there are a core process that people are using, and it's really maps well to the lean startup process. Um, we call it plan, run and analyze, but it really is a build, measure, learn loop. So people add their assumptions, they formulate research and experiments to figure out what's true. They run those experiments, gathering evidence and connecting that evidence quantitatively back to those assumptions, helping to understand how the assumptions are performing. And then they make decisions and they can export that data and share it with their team, share it with others who are with other executives and stakeholders and build the business case for the decisions they're making so that they feel more confident and so that the team can really get aligned behind what they're doing and the power behind the product. And I understand you may be doing some other things in the in the marketplace uh, in the future, trying to, to talk to folks directly. We're yeah. going to be uh, launching a a series of meetups called Build Better Products. So you can find us on meetup.com and we'll be bringing in really great product managers and others who have real experience in the field to talk about how the discovery work they're doing is really helping to push their efforts forward. And we'll of course be there to, to talk to people about Glider. So Jonathan, tell me a little bit about who uses the product. I know it's very powerful and from startups to, to Fortune 100 companies, I think I've used the product. Tell us a little bit about uh, who's actually getting benefit from this. Yeah, so we have actually had great success with Everybody from early stage startup founders that are just trying to figure out their ideas and the right way to go to market, all the way through growth stage companies that are using it for continuous discovery and delivery into large enterprises that are running significant innovation programs on top of the platform. And so in the camp of sort of the, the success with Glider, most recently seen Blue River Technologies that came through our software actually exit to John Deere for over $305 million. And so that's great. And there's a whole bunch of other exits like that in the software as well. So Jonathan, thank you again for being a sponsor of the show. What's the best way for a listener to find out a little bit more about Glider? So then go to glider.io and specifically go to glider.io slash IO podcast and enter the code IO podcast to get 25% off the first three months of Glider, no matter how many teammates you invite. Jonathan, thank you for coming on the show to talk a little bit about Glider. Looking forward to staying in contact and let's get back to the interview. Do you use a lot of the quote unquote lean startup principles and agile and that or what were some of the techniques that you used to move fast when you were creating new products? We're not particularly held to the lean startup principles. We like to think at both ends of the spectrum and have the vision that we're aiming for. So ultimately we want to empower the entire world to design and there's so many different ways that we can do that that we're excited to, to build. And then on the other end, uh, yes, once you do have the product there, you need to fine tune it and make sure that it's actually adding value to people's lives. So I think there's, there's somewhere in the middle. We do a lot of user testing, a lot of surveying, a lot of interviews, but at some stage you also have to listen to your intuition and build something that you believe in. So switching gears a little bit, we're here in Asia at the RISE conference. So I want to talk a little bit about building a company outside of the core tech hubs. You're based in Australia. What are some of the advantages and disadvantages that you see of kind of building a company and, you know, a unicorn company outside of the, the core tech hubs? Yeah, I think we've, we haven't really seen a disadvantage to building in Australia. We have a fantastic team down there. We also have an office in Manila in the Philippines. And we haven't, from the very early days, I think 
right when we started Canberra, it was slightly hard to get funding in Australia. So we had to spend a little bit of time in America getting investors there. But in that very first round, we ended up with about a 50-50 split between Australia and America. And I think that set us up really well because the American investors we had on board uh, weren't pushing us to go to America. They understood what we could achieve from Australia. And since then, we've been able to build an amazing company down there, and it's been very attractive for talent. You know, we have majority contingent of Australians working in the company, but it's also easy to get people from overseas who might have different experience to come to Sydney as well because it's a very attractive lifestyle. It's the middle of winter there now and it's 20 degrees Celsius. So it's, it's really easy to attract great talent there, particularly with the trajectory that the Canva's currently on. It's, it's a really once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for people. And in terms of funding since then, we've, we've found it relatively easy there's there's been ups and downs but uh, our australian investors have been very supportive our american investors understand our vision and how we want to build the company and yeah we've, we haven't found it much of a disadvantage to be down in sydney so what are the some of the trends that you're seeing in the asian startup scene that may be affecting how innovation is kind of seen around the world we've personally thought global very very early from day one and having that mindset of building a product for the world, not just for a market, has been incredibly important in the way that we've scaled the company and the way that Canva has grown. So Asia plays a massive, massive role in that, given population size and also the diversity of the audience as well. And there's also some really interesting markets here that you know, have different economic factors, et cetera, and different you know, kind of socioeconomic demographics. And we have quite a lot of experience in the Philippines because that's, that's where one of our offices is. And going there to visit, visit the office and see the people around the city is really helps us build a better product and really connects us with the people who can most use Canberra. And the people there get a huge amount of value out of it, lets them start their businesses, find their own lives and their own passions and create their own things. And I think Asia is a really exciting market for that kind of reason is that there's so much opportunity here and so many different products that you can build for this market. Because of that diversity, are, are you seeing a, when it comes to design, obviously design aesthetics and that are different around the world and that, are you seeing this kind of merging or coming together of design or what are your thoughts or feelings with regard to design aspects itself? There's a little bit of an international style, but each market has its own you know, little details. Last year, one of our goals was to make Canva available in 100 different languages. And we managed to hit that goal right on December 20, I think it was. So we just scraped in. But that was like our major push for the year because we really wanted Canva to be accessible to people all over the world. And accessible means that they can actually use the product. And although, you know, in every country, certain people can pick up a product that's in English, it really needs to be in their language for them to be able to use it properly. We hit that goal of, of 100 languages, and this year our focus has been a lot on the deeper localization of the product as well. So that's looking at the templates and the photos and the graphic elements that we, we offer through Canva and making sure that those match the different markets, whether that's Brazil, Mexico, Indonesia, India. Um, we really need to make the product resonate with the people in those countries and, and make it useful for them in their environment. So what's next with Canva? What are some of the new trends that you're seeing uh, or what's next for, uh, for the company itself? As we build 
more of the product out in Canberra, it seems like our roadmap gets bigger and bigger and bigger because we see more opportunities. Our mission is to empower the world to design and that means design in so many different facets. So as we tackle something like presentations, we begin to see other areas that we can, we can tackle as well. This year we're really bullish on presentations. That's why we acquired a company called Zetings quite recently. And their vision of presentations not just being this monologue that someone on stage rants at you about, but being very much a dialogue between the audience and the speaker really resonates with us. And we think that's the future of presentations, making presentations more inclusive and more of a discussion. So that's a really exciting area. We recently released an animation tool and we're really keen on doubling down on that and exploring this notion of design over time and how that can help people communicate as well. And there's so many more areas that we, that we want to go into. Excellent. Well, Cameron, thank you very much for being on Inside Outside Innovation. And I would love to know if a person needs to uh, contact you or find out more about Canva, what's the best way to do that? If they want to contact me, they can probably jump on Twitter and at the man in blue or at Canva is always there for them to talk to as well. We have very, very helpful customer happiness people who can talk to them and give them the right answers. Appreciate the time. Thanks for being on the show. No problem. That's it for another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. If you want to learn more about our team, our content, our services, check out insideoutside.io or follow us on Twitter at the IO Podcast or at Artinger. Until next time, go out and innovate.